As we gather, let's prepare our hearts for worship by hearing the words of this song. worship at Fusion. We're so glad that you are here as well as those of you who are joining online. At this time, let's hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Amen. Feel free to remain seated and raise your hands as we worship through this song.
continue to give online you can sign up online and do that or you can uh, do the texting so pray with me using the words of Psalm 3 Lord how many are my foes how many rise up against me many are saying of me God will not deliver him 
but you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high, I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down in sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Lord, we live in really confusing times. Truth is hard to decipher. But what we know is that you require us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before you. Lord, we ask today in this place that you bless us and keep us. Lord, we ask that you shine your face upon us. And Lord, be gracious to us. Jesus, as we ask that, please turn your face toward us and give us your peace. Lord, we ask that your favor be upon us here in this space at Hardwike, at Fusion, at our homes, in our place of work. That your favor be on the families in this place, that we might show your favor to the people in our lives. We ask that your presence goes before us this week, that you are all around us and within us, that you walk with us so we know you are for us. Hear us, Lord, as we say these words together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Comforting words. Always good to spend time in prayer. Good morning. It is such a joy to be here with you this morning, scattered about and yet very, very close. Um, through being here physically or through the miracles of modern technology, um, we celebrate that. Thank you for joining us here on campus, uh, whether you're out in a camper somewhere, sitting on a beach somewhere, at a picnic table on your boat, wherever God finds you this morning, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What an amazing and interesting summer it's been. And it's hard to say it has been because we are rounding the corner towards fall right now, aren't we, with all the school planning and everything else? We have been truly blessed this summer season by our in-depth look at the Psalms. And I am so grateful for the way that Pastor Luke and Pastor Bill and Pastor Aaron have led us on this journey. We give thanks that Luke gets to take another Sunday off here. He had off this week for vacation, um, and we celebrate with him that he got to have a little bit of time off. So, But today, we are going to look at Psalm 77. 
hear the words of our Lord. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused, and my spirit inquired. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? The shields, I'm sorry, has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Shall I wait a minute? Shall I try again? God forgotten to be merciful. Has he in his anger without his compassion? And then I thought, to this I will appeal the year the Lord. Yes. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. Thank you, Sarah. You are the God who performs miracles. Try this. There we go. We are good. All right. Like I said, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world and the earth. They trembled and it quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your flock, your people like a flock, by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is truly a tale of two moods. And this morning, we're going to take just a few minutes, and we're going to break it down into three parts, despair, decision, and deliverance. The first one that we're going to look at is despair. This is the very first mood. Let's look at what's going on here, the tension. Like so many others, this is a psalm of lament. It is written by Asaph, a singer and a musician in the era of David and Solomon, who was also a part of the prophet Jeremiah's circle. He pens his thoughts after experiencing firsthand destruction of Jerusalem and the captivity of Israel, and he wrestles with what he is seeing, what he has seen, these terrible events that he has witnessed. He cries out to God, and it's urgent, and it's active, and it's persistent. It is so bad, it is so bad that Asaph refuses to be comforted. Similarly to those times in our lives, when we too, friends mean, mean well, they bring us meals, they, they call us, and they, they try to comfort us, but we refuse that comfort. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, as a sick man turns away even the most nourishing food, so do we. It is impossible to comfort someone who refuses to be comforted. 
And then we find Asaph unable to sleep. He is in the darkness of despair, emotionally controlled by confusion and by the root of the problem, which is fear. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so restless that the desperate yearning for sleep is what gives you the hope for escape? I just need a few minutes of sleep. I need to escape. The worrisome thinking is destructive and is debilitating. I've been there. I think probably you have. And oh, how I appreciate a good night's sleep when one finally comes. I think you can probably say the same thing. So what does Asaph do? He begins first by praying. That's in verses 1 and 2. And then he moves on to what I call solo remembering. Those are verses 3 through 6. And finally, to questioning. First, Let's look at praying. In times of crisis and pain, prayer is the believer's first and most natural response. I think the current state of events that we find ourselves in with COVID, COVID seemingly out of control, at no time in recent history have there been more people on their knees, believers and even the skeptics crying out to God to intervene and to heal our land. And we too, when we're in the midst of a crisis, we often ask people to pray for us. Just this past week, I had four different people text me, email me, or call me and ask me and my prayer team to pray for a certain situation. It happens on a regular basis. It's what we do when we're faced with a crisis. We also see all these prayer requests and our hearts hurting on Facebook and other ways of social media. I am, I am just always so captivated by the concerns of other people when somebody is going through a different time, difficult time. Second, we have Asaph remembering. He enters a time of remembering, but not in a healthy way. He begins to really think. In verse 5, it says, I thought about my former days. Oh, how he wanted to return to the way it was, the good old days, when he sang songs of praise in the temple, and he was blessed when he worshiped there. And in his anguish, that just wasn't happening anymore. Sound familiar? We're in a little anguish right now, aren't we? We wish it would be the way it was. It's getting there. It will get there. Things have changed, and he begins to wallow in self-pity. This remembering is restless, and it's solo, and the focus is all about him. Why is this happening, he wonders. Why is this happening? And then he goes on to the next stage. He goes to, from solo remembering, he finds himself in the next phase, and that is of questioning. He asks six very specific questions. They're rather blunt. They're rather impersonal. And they're rather accusatory. Notice how he uses the word he. You can almost see Asaph pointing a finger at God. And he's going, has he, has he rejected us? Will he ever show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished? I find this one particularly intriguing because he uses the word unfailing in the question. 
To me, he's already answering the question. God's love is unfailing. Has his promises failed for all time? Has he forgotten to be gracious and merciful? Is he so angry? In a nutshell, he's shouting, this God out there, this God that I worship, this God that I serve, where is he when I need him? He wondered why God seemed to be so present and he seemed to answer so much more positively in the past, with more satisfaction in the past than he is doing in the present. Fortunately, most often when the believer cries out to God and senses that he or she is being heard, it brings a peaceful assurance of faith. But that is not always the case. Sometimes, especially when we remain in our difficulty, instead of being delivered from this difficulty, the sense that God has heard it, but he's not doing anything to change it, that brings more frustration, not less. In Asaph's defense, however, it isn't a sin to question God. For both David, a man after God's own heart, and Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, answered, asked those questions too. David in Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why are you not listening to the words of my groaning? And Jesus too asked in Matthew 27, verse 46, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? It is a sin, however, to demand an immediate answer or to suggest that God needs our counsel, that he needs our advice. Romans 11, 33 through 36 gives a beautiful clarity to that. Oh, the depths of the circles of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of God or who has been his counselor? <laughs> who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This tension going on in Asaph's day and in our day as well is penetrating. But we should never doubt in darkness what God has told us in the light. No matter what his hand is doing in our lives, his heart has not changed. He still loves us. He still loves us and he always will. How can we claim this truth? There's a turning point in this passage today. Verses 10 and 11 is when the light goes on for Asaph, when his persistent meditating, his muse, leads him to have a change of heart. The second mood, this is the mood of decision. Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. We go from a solo remembering to intentionally ponder, pondering and reflecting in light of the big picture, in light of God's redemptive story, the story that encompasses every chapter of the Bible except Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It's all about God's redemptive story. This redemptive story that we find ourselves in today on August 16, 2020. 
Asaph suddenly realizes that maybe, just maybe, it isn't all about him. Then I thought is where faith kicks in. This is a watershed moment for him where he can resolve to either go this way or to go that way. And Asaph decides to open the boxes and look deeper inside of God's redemptive plan. He's looking in the boxes. Let me explain this metaphor of boxes just a little bit more. Over the past two months, my life, my best and my worst friends have been boxes. As some of you know, Tim and I moved to Zealand at the end of June. So the entire month of June, Tim and I were putting things in boxes, our memories, our very life in boxes, and getting them ready to move. The entire month of July is the, rever is the reverse. We were emptying and removing all these memories from these boxes. I have become a master at assembling, at sorting, at stacking, at packing, at taping, and labeling boxes. I am now a gifted box cutter user, and I can flatten with the best of them, and I can recycle and reuse. And then comes summer service week, and we have boxes from Gordon's, and we have boxes from Sam's Club. Boxes have been my best and my worst friends. I am proficient in boxes. As Tim and I were going through some of the memories, everything seemed to tell a story of our lives. Raising our kids, furnishing our home that we lived in for 36 years, seeing all the changes that happened that seemed to have gone by so very quickly. We thought about things we hadn't remembered in quite some time, and we experienced God's faithfulness in a whole new light. We were entering a new chapter. And while those boxes were a delight to go through, it was the three boxes that we received this past Monday night that really caused me to ponder. I cried a little bit and I gave thanks. Tim lost his brother very suddenly in January. And Darlene, his wife, has been going through many of Dale's things and she's been giving them away to various people in the family. As we pulled out each memory, an old transistor radio, an old baseball glove, old comic books, a picture of Dale in a cowboy hat, and hunting items. We were reminded of all that Dale brought to our lives, to our family, his godly and his gentle spirit, his kindness, his sense of humor, his faithfulness, his brute strength, and his generosity. It was a good and healing moment. Why would I bring these boxes up? because this is a very different kind of remembering. It's remembering done in community. We aren't just remembering as individuals. We're remembering through the lens of the big picture. We're remembering as a family, all a part of God's plan. We could have sat there, and we could have focused on ourselves, and we could have said, poor us, why did God take Dale so soon? Poor us, poor Darlene. They just retired. They had all these plans ahead of them. Why did God do this? This doesn't make any sense. We could have done that, but we didn't. We gave thanks. We talked about Dale. We laughed. And we thanked God that we serve 
and that we are loved by a God of community, a God of family. It's remembering through the lens of faith and trust and gratitude that carries you into life's next chapters. That's where Asaph goes with this. He finds himself engaged in a three-step process to encouragement and healing. He begins by making an appeal, as it says in verse 10, where he says, to this I will appeal. He begins to argue with his own heart to arrive at a different conclusion. He made a deliberate decision to meditate on what God had done for Israel in the past in order to overwhelm his fears in the present and to learn from his deeds to see what God was intending to do for his people in the future. Then he meditates on God's works. We too should gaze into the heavens on a clear night, take in a breathtaking sunset, digest the word of God in quiet solitude, spend time in prayer, personal prayer, and corporate prayer. Finally, the third step that he does is he considers he talks of great things with others. In this particularly troubling time, you are a beacon of hope in the place where God has placed you. It should be very difficult to keep quiet about something that we're passionate about, that we're excited about, and something that brings us peace, especially right now. Just this week, I had the privilege of spending some time with Bob and Mary Ann Baker, who go to our celebration community. They lost their daughter, Kimmy, to cancer just a couple of weeks ago. Kimmy was only 32 years old, a couple of twin boys. What touched me so much was how they found their hope and their comfort in sharing some of the memories of Kimmy's life, how she and her husband, Mike, touched so many people through their example of love and trust in the Lord. There were smiles in this conversation, and there were tears. And throughout this tender conversation, I found each of them often saying, God is so good. God is so good. They made a choice to find peace in remembering the moments when they knew that God was there which leads them to a confident hope for the future. What a testimony they have. Asaph and people like Bob and Mary Ann realize that the God of the past becomes the reality of the present and the future. May that be the appeal of our hearts as well. Finally, we come to deliverance. Something happens because of this mood swing. Verses 13, 13 through 20 de demonstrate a noticeable shift in the use of pronouns. The first part of the passage talks about where Asaph, and, and he talks about, he's, it's all about I, and it's about he, this God out there, I and he, this God way out there somewhere. The middle part of the passage, Asaph also focuses on I, but in a more submissive and a humble way as he begins to admit his own self-pity. And now, however, Asaph is totally focused on the majesty and the glory of God. You are a God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Like Asaph, when we look at our own circumstances, we focus on ourselves and there's little hope. But when we look by faith to the Lord, 
Our circumstances may not change, but we do. It is unlikely that Asaph had all of his problems solved. And it's unlikely that all of your problems are going to be solved as well. So much is going on in our community right now. The cancer diagnosis that someone just received. The person that's estranged from a family member, member, those that have lost their jobs after 33 years. <clears throat> We've made a difficult decision to put down a family pet. Very hard. We've lost a loved one, often in isolation. We're afraid of losing our house, and we're really not quite sure how we're gonna make ends meet. And who and what do we believe in this world of political chaos, where there seems to be so much hatred out there? Who do we believe? And then, you throw COVID-19 on top of all of that? Pretty weighty stuff. But ASAP, move beyond the shadows of fear, despair, and defeat into a confident and a life-giving communion with the Lord. How did he do that? First of all, he looked up. He looked up. By faith, recognizing and rejoicing in the greatness of our God, he acknowledges that God's ways are holy, they're true, they're right, and they're just. And then Asaph looks back. He looks back to the Exodus story where God's power and grace are magnificently displayed. He knows that God would not have stretched out his mighty arm to part the Red Sea if he was only going to destroy it in the future. Why would he do that? He declares that even the waters of the Red Sea were afraid of Yahweh and ready to flee at his presence. When God miraculously parted the waters, it was as if he cleared a great road or a path for himself and that he also gave this path for his people to use. I recently came across a really powerful quote and it's this. I asked God, why are you bringing me through this troubled water? And his response to me was, because your enemies can't swim. Your enemies can't swim. Asaph looked back to find his hope for the future. There's a song out right now, sung by Zach Williams and Dolly Parton, which beautifully describes how the troubled heart finds peace by remembering the power of God. It's called, There Was Jesus. And I would highly recommend that you listen to it when you get a chance. In fact, you're going to hear it in just a minute. Some of the lyrics, there was Jesus on the mountains, in the valleys. There was Jesus in the shadows and in the alleys. In the fire and the flood, there was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, and in the hurting. Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going even when I didn't know it, or I couldn't see it, there was Jesus. God has a tender heart of a shepherd, and he is a shepherd of Israel. Just as he called Moses and Aaron and David to lead his flocks, too will he appoint additional shepherds in the years to come. 
We celebrate. We celebrate. And then there will come the good shepherd. Jesus, too, calls us to remember and believe. And as his followers in God's redemptive story, we look back to Calvary where the Lamb of God gave his life for us. If God the Father did not spare his own son for us, for you and for me, will he not give us everything else that we need? Jesus accomplished the greatest exodus of all. He liberated us not just from social and political bondage, but from sin and death itself. His death is the ultimate grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. And when we meditate on that, we will have an endless wellspring of strength and resolve to face anything at all. And then I thought, and then I thought, God is good. God is good. Will you pray with me, please? This morning, we proclaim as your children that you are good, that God is good all the time. And we appeal, we appeal to our hearts that we not be a people who grumbles and complains because it's over, but rather that we are a people who celebrate and give thanks because it happened. Lord, we love you. We find our strength from the past, and that gives us everything that we need to face the future. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Please worship through meditating on the words of the song. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand and start to all those lonely roads that I have traveled on, there was Jesus. When the life I built came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I couldn't see it then, but I could see there was Jesus in the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment of where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. For this man who needs 
It's amazing kind of grace. Forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. There was Jesus. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment of where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see Out in the valleys, there was Jesus in the shadows of the alleys. And now go with these words. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Feel free to exit out through that entrance in a socially distanced manner. Christ. Christ. 